What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. So good to be in the presence of the Lord tonight. You can make your way back to your seats. It is an honor and a privilege to be here in the presence of the Lord with you here in Denison, Texas. Anytime I get to stand behind a pulpit, I'm humbled and honored. If you would please remain standing for the reading of the word. I give honor tonight to Pastor Gilbert and his family. Amiris, it's so good to see you. So good to see Bishop Gilbert and Sister Gilbert. So glad you are here tonight. I'm honored to stand before you tonight. As well as your youth pastor, host youth pastor, Jordan Davis and Sister Jessica. As Brother Jordan said, he is one of my closest friends in the whole entire world. And I'm so thankful for him. I don't know why he continues to ask me to come back. But um, I'm humble, humbled and honored that he would think of me. And uh, I know that it takes more than just them to operate um, this youth department. And so to this youth team, I give honor to you as well. Amen. And uh, now this is, this is something uh, I really don't get to really give honor a whole lot to. But I'm so honored to have my brother, Kaysen, here with me and his girlfriend, Mallory. So thankful that they are here. They got to make the trip with me, and uh, I'm so glad that they're here. Um, many of you may not understand, but whenever you go and preach somewhere by yourself, it gets really lonely very fast. And so whenever you're driving, you know, two hours, three hours, it's really nice to be able to look over into the uh, passenger seat and see your brother, see a friendly face. And so I'm so thankful for him and I give honor to this music teams in Sierra thank you so much for leading us into the presence of Almighty God tonight well all that's out of the way so now I can preach Luke chapter 10 verse 17 through 19 if you have it say amen and the 70 returned again with joy saying Lord the devil's are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Verse 19, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Holy Writ. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That just means no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. That means, hey, the weapon might be formed, but it's not going to prosper. It might be ready to use, but it won't prosper. I've just come to preach to you on this simple top topic tonight. Powerless captors. Powerless captors. Take your neighbor by the hand if it's appropriate and raise it to heaven. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost that is in this house. Lord, we pray that you would come down and sanctify us. Lord, anoint my lips of clay, for Lord, I am not the author. I am merely a messenger of the faith. 
hide me behind the cross and Lord let your words be spoken for God I give you all the glory all the honor and all the praise and it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray somebody clap your hands unto the Lord in expectation for what he's about to do in this house tonight you can be seated in the presence of the Lord before I begin my message tonight, I just want to say it is an honor to see my good friend, Brother Tevin, in the house tonight. Reverend Bishop, man of God, and his newly wedded wife. I'm so glad to meet you tonight. Praise God. I love great men of God who will preach the gospel and preach truth. Amen. It was a quiet Sunday morning in August in Palo Alto, California. A police car swept through the town picking up college students as a part of a mass arrest for a violation of the Penal Code 211. It was armed robbery and burglary. The suspect was picked up at his home, charged and warned of his legal rights, spread-eagled against the police car, he was searched, handcuffed, and surprised and curious neighbors looked on. The, sus the suspect was then put in the rear of the police car and carried off to the police station with the sirens wailing. The car arrived at the station. The suspect was brought inside. He was formally booked, again warned of his Miranda rights, fingerprinted, and a complete identification was made. The suspect was then taken to a holding cell where he, left, where he was left blindfolded to ponder his fate and wonder what he had done to find himself in this mess. What suspects had done was answer a local newspaper ad calling for volunteers in a study of the psychological effects of the prison life. The professors involved stated, we wanted to see what the psychological effects were of becoming a prisoner or a prison guard. And so to do this, they decided to set up a simulated prison and then carefully note the effects of this institution on the behavior of all those within its walls. More than 70 applicants answered the ad and were given a diagnostic interview and personality test to eliminate candidates. The ones who were, had psychological problems, medical disabilities, or a history of crime or drug abuse. Ultimately, they were left with a sample of 24 college students from the U.S. and Canada and what they happened to be a part of was a Stanford Arena experiment. They signed up wanting $15 a day in the 90s to participate in this study. On all dimensions that, were that they were able to test or observe, they reacted normally. And so these 24 students began the study of prison life. With an average group of healthy, intelligent, and middle-class males, these boys were divided into two groups based on the flip of a coin. Half were randomly assigned to be a guard, 
and the other half was randomly assigned to be a prisoner. It is important to remember at the onset of this message that neither of these boys had any differences between them starting this experiment. Neither of them had any power whatsoever. And so what they did was to start this experiment, they created prison cells. They took off the doors of some of the laboratories and they replaced them with specially made doors that had iron bars, steel bars, and cell numbers on the door. At one end of the hall was a small opening through which they could videotape and record all of the events that occurred. And so on the side of the corridor opposite of the cells was a closet that they created entitled The Hole. It was approximately about two feet wide, two feet deep, but tall enough that a quote-unquote bad prisoner could stand up. An intercom system allowed them to secretly bug the cells to monitor what the prisoners would discuss and also to make public announcements to each of the prisoners. There were no windows or clocks to judge the time, which later resulted in some time-distorting experiences for these prisoners. Prisoners were then brought one by one into the cells blindfolded. They were stripped and given four-digit ID numbers with a garment that came to the mid-thighs. And so instead of shaving their head, they gave them a stocking cap to represent that they were in captivity. Some prisoners talked about one of the most detrimental things that happened to them as they got into the prison. There was a chain that was wrapped around their left ankle. And every time that they would move or walk, it would bump into their other ankle. One of the prisoners stated this, whenever you would roll over in the middle of the night, that chain would hit my other ankle and I would be reminded of the constant state of oppression that I was in. And so for three days, these guards were brutal. They took each prisoner and harassed them and perhaps even took it just a little bit too far with the words and with the treatment. All the while, the four college professors sat and watched as these students continued this experiment. The college student guards called the prisoners only by their four-digit numbers. At 2.30 a.m., they were all awakened every single night, and roll was called. On certain occasions, the prisoners' beds were taken. They were tossed into solitary confinement. The prisoners had no power, and they were utterly helpless. On day three of the experiment, the professors began to see a change in the prisoners. And so a priest was called in to speak to each prisoner. Whenever the priest asked for each of the prisoners' name, they did not respond with their real names. They responded only with their four-digit ID number. These students had now become so wrapped up in this phase of the experiment 
they had now become detached from their reality. They had lost track of time in what seemed like the world around them. The guards who were just merely college students had created an environment that seemed so real that the prisoner college students had become scared to death and began to believe that this was truly prison. The fact of the the matter is this. These college student guards had absolutely no power at all. They had no authority and they only had the impression of what seemed like power. And therefore they created an environment that seemed real based on someone else's word. And the same has become true with the church. We have been controlled by a source that has no power. The enemy has told you lie after lie. He's told you that he can tell you where to go and what to do and how to act and call you names such as as seditial, depressed, idiotic, not taught. Oh, but can I tell somebody who's been fighting hell all week long? God has called me tonight to tell you the devil does not have power over you. If you could just hear me tonight, God is trying to call somebody out of the woodwork. Don't you let the devil lie to you and tell Our text tells us, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. It is time for us as the apostolic church uh, to take a stand for what we believe uh, and understand who we are. Uh, We are not a church that sits on the back pew, uh, curls up in a corner. Uh, We stand in the midst of defeat. Uh, Whenever the devil speaks lies, uh, we speak truth. It is so easy for us as the church to curl up and let the devil tell us where to go. But can I tell you the truth will set you free. This Acts 2.38 message uh, holds power. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, uh, but ye shall receive after that the Holy Ghost uh, has come upon you. Uh, If you're fighting hell this week, uh, try the Holy Ghost. Uh, I said try the Holy Ghost. The spirit of the adversary has come to you and tried to tell you that you are of no earthly good. He's trying to tell you that what you're being identified with right now is what you will be identified with the rest of your life. But can I tell you that Jesus will not call you what hell calls you. Whenever the world calls you Simon, Jesus will always call you Peter. And whenever the world calls you Saul, Jesus will always call you Paul. And whenever the world calls you crazy, Jesus calls you a worshiper. And whenever the world says you'll never be a preacher, though Jesus said, you're going to be called to me. You're going to preach the gospel. They looked on and they said, hey, isn't that Peter over there? The man that denied Jesus thrice. But Jesus said, thou art Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell. 
Don't you listen to the voice of the adversary. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house already. You can be seated. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 refers to Satan as the prince and the power of the air, stating that Satan does control something. But not once in Scripture do you fall under that category. There is not one Scripture that speaks of him having dominion or power over one fleshly being. For the only thing that he controls is the atmosphere around you. And if he can manipulate you into thinking that he controls you. But in reality, all he controls is the atmosphere around you. Can I just tell you, it's time for you to get your spiritual blinders on and start thinking one way. I'm on my way to heaven. I don't need the world identifying me. I'm not listening to what... Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? You better wake up. The devil has been lying to you day in and day out. So why do you continue to have more conversations with the enemy than you do with God? Can I just tell you right now, the reason you're struggling is because you don't know how to talk to Jesus, but you know how to talk to the devil. Why is it that we continually give excuses to the devil and we talk back to him all the time? Well, what do you mean you don't think I'm called? And I don't really think that's for me and this, that, and the other. But Jesus is calling you and saying, hey, you're a preacher. You're a singer. You're a Sunday school teacher. You need to get the mentality uh, that the enemy controls you out of your mind. We think that the enemy has so much power. Let's talk about some opposites. Whenever I say hot, you say cold. Whenever I say, I was trying to think of another one. Give me another one. Whenever I say good, you say evil. <laughs> but whenever I say God, you say what? Whoa, 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 hold on. Is the devil the opposite to God? No. Because my Bible tells me that Lucifer is just a fallen angel. You see, the Bible says that he walks about as a roaring lion. It does not say that he is. And you see, what we do is we think that he's this big, bad, alpha lion walking around getting ready to pounce on. Now, here's the thing. The devil's got power, okay? I'm not saying walk into your room and say, hey, devil, come on, Bubba, let's go. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to tell you that the devil does not have as much power as you think he has. Everything that Jesus is, he tries to equate himself to that. He is the lion and the lamb. That's why the devil said he walks about as a royal. Because he wants to come as close to what God is. But he can never come as close as my God. I said he... Oh, if you could just hear what I'm saying. Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. 
I'm preaching to somebody uh, who's been controlled with the sor- from the source without power. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 19 through 23 says this. Uh, and what it is, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ uh, when he raised him from the dead uh, and set him at his own right hand uh, in heavenly places. far above all principality and power might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all But the Bible does not stop there. The Bible says that Jesus was set above all principality and power, might and dominion. But whenever you get to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, the Bible says, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That simply just means whatever Jesus has the power over, so do we. We are set together with him in heavenly places. Whenever we speak, we have authority, dominion, and power if you use his name. Whenever you went down in that watery grave of baptism, you got everything you needed to tell the devil where to go. James chapter 2, verse 9. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Can I just tell somebody tonight? Even the devils are oneness. They know more than some Trinitarians, Bubba. You see, what we have to understand is we have to have a revelation of who he is before we can understand the power that is behind his name. Now, see, you could say the name Jesus, okay? It's probably not going to have a whole lot of power because there's a big, uh, what is it called, a yellow page what are the yellow page books with all the phone numbers in it? Y'all ever seen those? Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to make sure you guys are living in the same world I am. There's a lot of Jesuses in that book, right? But not one of their names has power. It's the revelation behind the name Jesus and the man Christ Jesus that has the power. Now, hold on. Y'all, ain't, y'all, y'all don't know where I'm at yet, so hang on. We're about to talk about it. Whenever... Colossians 2 and 9, whenever Paul was talking, he said, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That meant that God robed himself in flesh. And he came down to this hurt to be born of a virgin. We're not talking about Jehovah Junior. We're talking about God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, and risen into glory. John 10 and 30, Jesus said it like this. I and my Father are one. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Let me tell you, whenever you say Jesus, you're talking about God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince. 
If you're battling with addiction tonight, speak the name Jesus. If you're battling with pornography, speak the name Jesus. If you're battling tonight, speak his name. Brother Tevin, we deal with a lot of the same issues over and over and over and over again. Young people, you find yourself in a cycle week in and week out. And it is because you have forgotten the power that your God holds. You can be seated. On day five of the prison experiment, there was a prisoner whose number was 819. The effects of this mock prison had taken control over prisoner 819. One day out of nowhere, he began to scream. Claw scratched the other prisoners. The head professor had the guards blindfold him. They took him into a counseling session with three of the counselors at the school. And they began to ask him questions concerning his actions. And then he began to express his weakness. He said, I can't do it anymore. I want to get out of this prison. I want to go home. He was now terrified. He was broken on the inside. His mental state was so broken that he would weep at the thought of home. The professor looked at him and said, son, I'm sorry, but you can't go home. This is the real deal. This is prison. You see, what he had done wasn't saying this is his experiment. He was sold out to the cause. And he said, I'm sorry, but you can't go home. You're going to be here for the rest of your life. They took the boy. They put him back in the prison cell. And all of a sudden, you heard the boy scream. And go crazy. He said, you can't quit. You can't go home. He began to scream and cry, holler, hoot. He was scared to death. All of a sudden, a surge of fear went through the rest of these college students. The cell became a madhouse because of the lies that were being told. The guards began to panic and they took everyone out of their cells and lined them up against a wall except for prisoner 8-1-1. Nine. They threw him back into the counselor's office. And all of a sudden, the other prisoner or the other guards had the prisoners begin to chant. Prisoner eight one nine did a bad thing. Prisoner eight one nine did a bad thing. Prisoner eight one nine began to do a bad thing. And all of a sudden, the professor walked back into the counseling session and he walked over and he opened the door. And the boy was curled up in a fetal position, pale white, trembling, eyes glazed over, overtaken with fear. And all of a sudden, the professor realized that he had taken it too far. He ran over to the boy and he said, son, wake up. He began to slap him. He did everything he could to wake him up. He began to say, son, it's just an experiment. We're going to get you some help now. We're going to get you back to where you need to go. And all of a sudden, you begin to see the boy ease, comfort, peace come over his body. All because of one simple lie. All because of someone giving a so-called power. You tonight have been lied to. You think 
that the prison that you're in right now is the same prison you're going to be in until the day you're 30, to the day you're 40, to the day you're 50, huh? and you think that nobody likes you, huh? and the devil keeps telling you they don't like the way you dress, huh? they don't like the way you talk, huh? you'll never be called of God, huh? you'll never have a ministry, huh? but can I just be a counselor tonight and say, huh? God is here tonight to redeem you, huh? to pull you out of the lie that hell has told you. Huh? Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage the devil is a liar and the father of it so do not let him lie to you one thing I want to point out that brought deliverance to these students there was a point brother Jordan this boy couldn't take it any more and the only thing that could get him out of his situation was his mouth he got so sick and tired of being in the same mess day in and day out. We as the church have got to get sick and tired of where we are. Hold on. The problem is this. You like where you're at. You want to be entangled with sin. You think sin is fun. You think that being holy isn't cool. But can I talk to a young person that is sick and tired of being bound by the same thing? And you know what he did, Brother Tevin? He said, get me out of here. And you know what he did? He went crazy. The Bible, not the Bible, I almost said the Bible. I read it out of some scientific textbook while I was reading. The Bible didn't say it. He said this. Professor said this. Whenever the boy got tired of it, you know what he did? Get me out of here. I'm about to claw somebody's eyeballs out. You know what you got to do? You got to let your crazy out. You have got to draw a fine line in between you and sin. And you've got to say this is it. I'm not living this way anymore. Get me out of here. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 through 3 says this the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive to the opening of the prisons to those who are back to proclaim the acceptable here of the Lord. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them the beauty for ashes, the oil of joyful mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They, 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 that they that might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, he might be glorified. One of you guys, uh, come up here.
uh, just anyone, just one of you four stand right there. Just come up here. You see, I'm going to take my jacket off. Is that okay? Okay. You see, what you've been identified is with this raggedy old soup supply stuff. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> you've been identified by this spirit of heaviness. Heavy stuff. And you know what you do every single morning? You pick it up and you put it on. You walk around and, oh, Brother Eads, you know what you say? Brother, I've just been so weighed down. I mean, it's just so weary being me. You mind just pat me on the back just a little bit? Because I'm this trial is just so, oh, it's just too heavy. That's the most pathetic, sorry excuse I've ever heard in my entire life. Because the Lord said, I came to proclaim liberty. The garment of what? For the spirit of... So... Whenever you get the garment of praise on, you realize, hey, I ain't got to live this way. I don't have to be identified by what the world. Let me tell you something. If you think that the devil is just going to sit around and let you do whatever you want, you are crazy. You have got to learn to take dominion and authority. You got to start learning how to speak words like this upon the authority of the word in the name Jesus. I rebuke you, devil. If you want to live in the same sin, go ahead. I said, go ahead. But as for me and my house, we're getting out of this mess. You know what they were doing? They were out preaching. They were going crazy. We proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You got to be saved. Acts 2.38 message. Then there was an old nagging woman who said, They're preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. And Paul turned around and he said, I know what I'm doing, woman. You ain't got to tell me about it. And so the owners of the woman got upset. They went to the big wigs and they said, hey, those guys over there, they're preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. And God forbid you preach encouragement. You know what they said? You take them 
and you chain them up and you put them where I can't see them anymore. And so you got Paul over here wearing the green socks and you got Silas over here wearing the egg socks. And you know this is Silas because he's the good looking one. Amen. God bless. And so Paul and Silas, where's my help at? Okay, yes, she is. She's coming. See, what they do is they leave me up here to just fend for myself. That's not fair. I'm just kidding. So old Paul and Silas, if you've got to get up and help her, you sure? No, actually, you're going to stay here because I need you. Paul, Silas. Act like you're bound. You guys ain't bound. There you go. They're bound. <laughs> you see, what the world did was they said, hey, bub, why don't we just chain up their arms, their legs, and we'll be good. Everything will be fine. But what they did not realize is that they missed the most important part. Now see, if they would have lived in the 21st century, they would have got some duct tape put over that mouth. But, you see, they don't realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. And all of a sudden, you know what happens next? Oh, you don't know what happens next. You ain't acting like you know what happens next. All of a sudden, Paul leaned over to Brother Silas and he said, <laughs> That's funny right there. He said, Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. And you see, Brother Silas, he said, well, what in the world do you mean, Brother Paul? Why, why, do, why do you think we should start praising right now? I mean, this is kind of the most inopportune time to give praise to God, bro. <laughs> like, we literally just got whipped. We're sitting here with shackles literally on our feet and on our hands. And you talking about praising the Lord? And all of a sudden, I can just see it as Brother Paul leans back over and he says... He said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. He didn't say if you had chains on. He didn't say if you had chains off. He said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And all of a sudden, uh, the whole jail cell uh, started to shake. Uh, and the Bible says that their chains uh, were loose. Huh. Now listen, you're acting like a chain church. I said you're acting like a chain church. Because you think that the weight of your chain should dictate your praise. But that is not the truth. The Bible says at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. They did not wait until the chains were gone. They immediately. All right. 
we're about to we're about to see the real deal here this is what i call we're about to draw a line you're about to see who's sick and tired of their mess and you're about to see who's who's okay living there because here's the thing if you're okay living there you will live there the rest of your life if you want to be chained you can be chained but guess what if you want to be free you can be free but the decision is entirely up to you. Now, you're about to see somebody's crazy come out, okay? I said you're about to see somebody's crazy come out. And if you're crazy, don't come out. You're going to see my crazy come out, and that's bad enough. Now, see, there's somebody in here, and you're like, I don't really know about all that praising stuff. And I don't know about all that getting set free stuff. And you see what you're doing is you're looking around and you're like, who's going to look at me, Brother Caleb, and go, whoa, are these guys good? But see, here's the thing. David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into where it was supposed to be. And his own wife. David, the Bible says that every few steps, David stopped, he made a sacrifice, and he praised. He went crazy. He danced like a wild man. And the Bible says that Michael sat on her highly pedestal, looking from a window, and she cursed David. David, what are you doing? That Jesus stuff don't work. That Jesus name don't work. That Holy Ghost don't work. What in the world do you think you're doing? Walking around with your hair long, ladies, uh, wearing your skirt, coming to school like you own everything. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Uh, the Bible says uh, that David praised the more. Uh, he said, I don't care what you call me. Uh, I don't care what it looks like. Uh, I just want to get out of this mess. Uh, I just want to be set free. Let's bring the presence of the Lord into this house. Uh, let's bring get in now now if you want to be set free I want you to come to this front right now if you want to be set free I want you to come to this front. if you don't want to be set free you sit exactly where you are it's okay and if there's a doubter in the house God bless you I love you but Jesus cast out the unbeliever so if you don't have any faith in the house you can leave God bless you y'all can start playing if you want to thank you God is here to do a miracle work. Not just some of this sprinkle a little here, sprinkle a little there. God wants to fully engulf you. He wants to take over you. He wants to take over your spirit, your mind, your heart. But what you have got to do is you have got to push back the boundary. You've got to stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking. And you've got to start saying, look, Lord, I need deliverance. Lord, I want to be set free. I'm tired of living this way. God set me free. But let the righteous be glad and rejoice. I said, but let the righteous. Uh, can I tell you that the prison that you're in right now is because of a powerless captor. And you have allowed the enemy to put you where you are. So now, 
You want to put the devil where he needs to go? I'm about to give you the key ingredient. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, at the very, very beginning of the Bible, God gives simple instruction. And he tells the devil exactly where he's going to be for the rest of his life. He said, the heel of the man will bruise thy head and you will bruise his heel. Well, what does that mean? That just means there is no situation or circumstance where the devil is anywhere higher than your feet. The, hold on, hold on. The only way that a snake gets higher than you is if you bend down and pick him up. But can I tell you uh, that whenever the Lord was talking to Paul, uh, he said if any scorpion were to bite you, uh, you... Let me tell you right now in the Holy Ghost, the Lord is trying to tell you that the blood of the Lamb is stronger than any venom that the enemy can shoot into your body. Oh my God, why don't you give God a shout of praise right now? Prove to the devil, I'm done. They're about to sing. And whenever they start sting, singing, uh, I want you to dance like you're free. Uh, because here's the deal. Uh, if you don't know how to dance, you don't need to know how to dance. Uh, the Bible says praise. Uh, and I'm just here to praise. Now look. If you've got something that's bothering you. Everybody, every, every, every eye closed right now. I want you to bring it to the forefront of your mind right now. And I want you to begin to think about it. Think about the sleepless nights. Think about every single time that you're tormented with it. Think about every thought that the enemy brings into your mind. You will never be good enough. You are not worth it. You are depressed. You are sedition. You're going to kill yourself one day. Let me tell you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the mighty God. So now I want you to throw your hands up and I want you to let go of it and begin to praise God for what he's done. Praise God for what he's done. Praise him for his excellent greatness. All right, we're not there yet, but we're going to get there. Jehoshaphat. Anybody ever heard of the man named Jehoshaphat? The Bible says that he stood at the top of the mountain and the Lord said, look, Jehoshaphat, this battle is not yours, it's mine. Let me tell you something. You do not have to do any fighting here. And you're standing here looking at me like, well, my God, preacher, what am I supposed to do? Your job is to stand still and see the salvation of God and praise him for who he is. Now, Jehoshaphat, he stood there, Brother Jordan, and the Bible says that the Lord said, look, you're not going to win this with swords. You're not going to win it with spears. You're not going to win it by talking about somebody. You're not going to win it about getting with somebody and talking about this, that, and the other. He said, I'm going to fight this battle. That brings me back to this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Through the pulling down of strongholds. Jehoshaphat said, you're not, he said this to his people, he said, I don't want you to pick up one sword. 
I don't want you to pick up one, one spear. He said, I want you to pick up that trumpet, and I want you to pick up those cymbals. Give me some help, brother. He said, and I want you to praise God for the beauty of his holiness. Just praise him because he's God. Praise him because he's good. Let me tell you, you don't have to praise him because it's over. Praise him because he's God. You shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right Well, if you've been through what I've been through, you would be praising You keep playing. This is, y'all don't know where in the world I've been the last three weeks. My grandma, let me just tell you how my, my last month has been. My mom was in the hospital for three days. The same day that my mom got uh, discharged from the hospital, my grandmother was admitted into the hospital. Two weeks before that, my granddad was in the hospital, and my family was rotating times inside the hospital, sleeping on those lovely, comfortable, nice uh, hospital chairs. And you see, there's probably somebody in here who has had a worse time off than me. That, this is hard for me. Right? But you see, you stand there and you say, how in the world can you praise God whenever your grandmother's laying on her deathbed? One of the strongest members in your family. Let me tell you something. The same God. I said the same God that brought Daniel out of the lion's den and brought David defeat to the Goliath. It's the same God. And let me tell you, if God doesn't heal, praise God. And if nothing else happens, I'm still going to praise. Because if you knew how good my God has been, you would understand the reason behind my... You ought to dance right now. You don't have an excuse. You don't have an... Somebody shouting to God like you just won the victory. Shout like it's over.